0: Welcome to another edition of Dentalpreneur Secret, we help you build an even more amazing life of significance so you can take care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and really change the world for the better. And I'm so excited to have with us today Mike Masato. And uh, Mike is the host of The Dental Road Warrior, founder and CEO of Staff Driven Dental. And wow, is this going to be an exciting show. And by, by the time we finish today, you're going to know that it's okay for you to ask for help in your dental practice. You don't have to know everything and you're going to know how a coach can really help you build personal and business wealth inside of your practice. You're going to have some simple ideas that you can walk away with that are going to have a big impact in your practice. And you're going to know the three, that's right, three foundational policies to build an even better dental practice. But what I'm most excited about is you're going to walk away feeling expired, and inspired and motivated for the future. Like I said, Mike has 10 years of business consulting success in healthcare and coaching executives all across America. He has a podcast and a show called The Dental Reality Show that's absolutely fantastic, The Dental Road Warrior. He's out there, but what I really like about Mike, and you're going to sense this pretty quickly, he's full of energy, he's dynamic, he's a great speaker, a great coach, and he has a passion for helping you and your team win in the game of dentistry. Mike, welcome to the show.
1: It's so great to be here, man. Thanks. And you know, it's funny when you read my bio. I think we said the ten years of business consulting stuff. So, that was when I first started. So, I've been in this for almost twenty five years now. That, that's how fast. I, I was a lot younger then. Oh my god! <laughs> I started everything else, you know, so, that was ten years to start going to, when going into it. And now I've been doing this for twenty five. So that's how long I've been doing it. Almost. So, ah. it goes, time goes
0: fast. Time goes yes. fast. Yes, it so. does. So, so, how did you get started twenty five years ago? How, how does one get started coaching dentists?
1: Yeah, I, I get that question all the time because I went back in time you know, to my 1980s self and I, and I said, Look, I'm from the future and I'm you. And uh, you're going to be, your career is going to be in dental. I would say you're crazy because I would never have believed that in a million years. You don't, go to, you don't go to dental consulting school, that's for sure, because uh, it doesn't exist. And uh, you don't wake up one morning and stretch out and think, I'll become a dental consultant. Uh, it's kind of one of those things where it found me. You know, I would always uh, had a passion for helping people. I enjoyed doing it. I was always coaching people in some capacity. Matter of fact, out of college, I was in the health and fitness industry. As a coach, um, I started two of the first personal training gyms in New Jersey uh, when personal training was a big West Coast fad. Uh, these, these crazy people in New Jersey, away in California back in the day, were spending thirty dollars for a session, you know, for personal training. And I thought that, wow, they'll, they'll never do that. Now that was like back in the day. That was that was a gym membership for a year, but so to spend thirty bucks for a session. Well, who, why would anybody spend that money? They were saying, well, they spent it because they wanted coaching. They wanted accountability, and they wanted someone to teach you to do it right and hold them accountable, and give a diet, and, and, and it took off. I mean, we our best clients were women because like, women would come in with a magazine. I want to look like this woman in this picture in 12 weeks, you know, but they were paying for a result. They weren't paying for use of equipment or information. They wanted coaching, you know, so that's how it kind of started in, you know, in that, and one of the one of the clients I was coaching at the time was a doctor. Who had, a, who had an alternative medicine practice, and say, oh, can you come in? You know, I'm, uh, I, I, would, I would coach you and give you some consulting, and you could, do, you could do marketing and sales and are promotional for new patients in my practice, and, and I said, well, sure, it's a new opportunity. I wasn't going to do, do health and fitness forever, and that wasn't a lot, a lot of money in that long-term with my college degree, so I said, sure. So he, he was a part of the consulting, and he had a consultant he worked with and a coach, and it was great for me because I was one guy in a field with 300 women in the room, which is fantastic back in the day. You, you can imagine, with me with my banjo over here, it was business in the front, party in the back. I'd get up there, and I, and I, and I ate it up. I sat in the front. I thought this is the coolest thing in the entire world because I loved the whole concept of making, getting new patients for this practice a game. It was fun. It was a challenge because I really believed in what he was doing. That was all into alternative health care at the time, chiropractic care, alternative medicine. It was fantastic. It was transformational for my life and my health. And I, I went there and I and I'll never forget my, the, my mentor was about a five foot two powerhouse Jewish guy. So you picture me, I was just hulking, the Jersey guy standing next to me, come on, big Mike, come up in the front and give a share. And, and it was great because you saw when you implemented the coaching, how it would work. You know, I really got into doing, doing that kind of stuff. And I said, if I ever did this, this is what I want to do. I'd want to like do coaching. You know, I never knew I was going to start a company. But through time and the success he had in his practice, I was bringing 30 to 60 new patients a month into his practice. That was my average, all my own. This is, now, this is before internet really took off. This is before social media, before all those kind of, even before websites. This is how far back we're going now at this point. And basically, a, 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 a dentist in town got wind of this. Basically, he said, hey, I, you know, I did a health fair. This is way back, and he was there. The dentist said I had recruited him to come in to join us for this health fair. And he said, look, can you do the same thing in my practice like you did for you know, uh, his practice? I said, well, sure, if I can learn the business, I really not know anything about dental whatsoever. And I said, if I learned the business, I think I could probably do it. Well, you know, one dentist became two, became four, became eight, people. I had to get a new career. You know? So it was one of those things where dentistry just kind of pulled me in and I never looked back. So in the beginning where I was doing all kinds of industries, I have a very big background in corporate coaching. I, I did uh, coaching in corporate America during the dot-com year before that went crash. I, I did PR firms, law firms, accounting firms, um, and then I, went, I did alternative medicine and dental. And then I just settled on dentistry almost 25 years ago now because it was really jack-of-all-trades, master of none. You know, you have to really focus on one industry. So that's kind of how I got into dentistry, long story short, or hope that's short enough, where it just kind of pulled me in. And now I look back all these years later, and, and now I, here I am. And that's all I do day and night around the clock is, is work on coaching dental practice.
0: Well, excellent. And actually you and I share a very similar story in that respect. You know, I, I was an advisor working with all sorts of clients and then met and fell in love with my wife who happens to be a dentist. And, and yeah, I read the- that. That's pretty cool. That's pretty, that's very cool. I think that's pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. And, and the big struggle was like you said, I could do a whole bunch of great things for a whole bunch of people, but I didn't really have in-depth knowledge of any one industry. And so I couldn't actually help my wife solve the most fundamental challenges in her practice. And now, you know, decades later I've specialized and just like you, that's all I work with our our dentists. And, and, and today, right, the, the situation that we're in, right, COVID 19, social uncertainty, economic uncertainty, political uncertainty, the, the world is a mess right now. And, wait, and wait, what there's, up,
1: there's, politi- there's, there's political uncertainty. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Just a wee bit. <laughs> I, I,
0: and, and so, what's the yeah. impact that that's having on practices that you work with? What opportunities <clears throat> do you see out there for dentists who are, are motivated to, to grow and run their practices really well?
1: Yeah, well, dude, one of my, well, I was talking to you off camera, my, one, of my, one of my favorite quotes that I use a lot right now these days, especially with COVID, um, when you hear all you hear is negativity, right? I mean, it's doom and gloom, the world's coming to an end, it's pessimism of everything. You know, I, I haven't at this long enough period of time when the world's come to an end multiple times since I, I don't know how I'm still sitting here because the world has ended multiple times. Just since I started doing this, you know, I, I, I always refer back to, to 9-11, you know, in 2001, you know, and I, I, mean, I live in New York metropolitan area, and I was right across the river. I saw the towers go down, you know, on, the, on that day that that happened, you know, and, it, you know, and life was never going to be the same for anybody, right? We were never going to recover from that, you know, and we and we did, you know, and, you know, a few years later, there was the economic crash, 2007, 2008, when everything went out the window and it, it, everything was an uproar and everything, and doctors were telling me, we're in collapse, we're never going to be, and we did, you know, and I worked with dentistry that whole thing as well. And then, if you know from this part of the country, when Sandy hit here, and when Super Sam Sandy hit New Jersey, New York, it was devastated. You know, and for months, the people recovered. Some of my practices were literally flooded off the map. You know, when I was working with in the shore. Uh, so, it, and and we're still here. You know, and now we have the pandemic. You know, and I always like to say that you know the the, the pessimist sees calamity in every opportunity, and the optimist sees uh, um, opportunity in every calamity. And that's where we are right now. I mean, ultimately, I'm the ultimate optimist about everything. I have to be you know, and keep people positive. You know, I, I, I didn't have a coaching program for COVID recovery, you know, when the whole when the hit the fan and everything shut down. You know, I just brought my, my coaching, which was on site on virtual. So what I did with 80 to 100 people a week is I, I brought in people that I knew, people like you. I had, a, I had a, an accounting advisor. I had an OSHA advisor. I had a guy who used to work for the CDC. I had a, 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 a lawyer to navigate all, all the legal stuff that was going on. And we just would power up as a, as a community and a lot of it was just therapy. You know, it was just getting bad people and then keeping them in the right place so they don't collapse. They didn't go to the, go to a bad place and seeing them through that 90-day shutdown, basically. And when, you know what? March, April, May, by the time June hit, all my clients were ready. They had the PPE, they had the PPP, they had everything lined up they needed, and they hit the ground running. And some of them, you know, didn't even shut down at all completely. They were just seeing emergencies, which is in some of my practice we're seeing 20, 30 new patients a month because all the practice around them shut down. They weren't even seeing emergency patients. You know, so they, there was opportunity there and they took advantage of it, you know, and all of them right now. I'm happy to say all oh, my clients made it through it. They're all thriving and doing well because they have that good mentality. And not now no, nothing's changed. The same situation right now with the uptick and everything. It's all about how you go about your, your mentality, how you go about approaching it every single day.
0: Yeah. Well, right. Just like Winston Churchill, the prime minister of the UK says, Never let a good crisis go to waste. And and, right, there's opportunity. I love that. I love that. Right, there's opportunity out there if you know how to take advantage of it. And so, you know, there's certainly a lot of good ways to to run a practice. But you also wrote a book called "The 25 Surefire Ways to Destroy." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your dental practice and and what's one of the ways that you see dentists really destroying their practices Let, let's talk about that first and then we'll build up to some of the great things that people can do because I really want to dive into those three foundational policies that are just so fundamental in a practice
1: yeah it's funny you brought that book up it's like becoming it's become a, like an iconic book even though it's like I never I don't think I've, I if I could probably count well, when did I sell it? I, might, I used to sell it at events personally. I said, oh, the author will sign it for you, you know, and I would sign it, you know, best wishes and good luck destroying your practice kind of thing, you know, uh, whatever, all the time. If you have one of those books as a classic, it's been multiple reprints. It wasn't about the money to do that thing. It was like, most like your business card doing it. And that was in 2003. And 17 years later, it's been through three or four printings. I just kind of give it out now as a fun thing. But but the, the great thing about that book, uh, and I got the concept, and you'll appreciate this from Ben Stein, you know, and you know, Ben Stein is a big economic, uh, and people who don't know what Ben Stein is, If you want to go back and watch the classic movie, the now classic movie, which is in color, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off uh, from, the, from the 80s. People refer to these movies. These are the classics now for the younger generation, okay? Because uh, I'm dating myself. I worked in the movie theater when that movie came out. Put that in perspective, I was working the theater, and that movie came, I said it about a thousand times back in the day, but the, he was, the guy was Bueller, Bueller, that line, that's Ben Stein, and he wrote a book, How to De- how to Ruin Your Life, one time, because there's so many self-help books out there about how to do all this, so he did it in reverse, like sarcastically, well, if you want to ruin your life, this is how you do it, it's like a primer how to ruin your life. So I said, well, you know what? There's so many books on dentistry out there about how to improve your practice and do all these kind of things. Well, I wanted to write the most outlandish book possible, the other way around. About how to really, if you want to ruin your practice, do these things. And if you're not laughing at these things, you, you then there's no hope for you. Because you, like, what's wrong with this? If you think of this is this is perfectly normal, then you're in trouble. What I used to tell people all the time. And it's a really simple little read. But the interesting thing. That stuff's not made up. That was bad. I don't know if you read the book or I can I don't know if you got a copy of it or I can get you a copy of it, but that's out there. Um, it's based on, all those are real stories. It's based on all the crazy and insane things I've seen doctors and staff do creatively ruin their practice and their lives over these years. You can't make this stuff up. It's really incredible what I've seen in my time, you know, and it's classy examples of how to do that. So that's kind of how I was doing. The book came to base. So
0: What's one of those examples of how someone destroys their dental practice?
1: Now uh, you put me on the spot. Of, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, um, what, was, what was the chapter that I always put in? Like one of the chapters is hate kids. You know about that. I'm like you know, I hate kids. You know, they're you not know, well. Kids are little adults. You know what I mean? And if you, I understand. You know, you don't have to be a pediatric practice, but why would you hate kids? You know, I've had dentists tell me they hate kids, and I want to have kids in my practice. Okay, I'm not saying you know. If, but if you're a general practice and family if you like, I love when they put family cosmetic implant. It's like all on one sign, right? You know, we have to be jack of all trades, master of fun. But if you're gonna put family on your sign, that implies kids are on your website as well, too. You can't hate them, okay? Or not or create a situation where you don't want to see them in your practice. And I've heard that many, many times before, you know, about hating, you know, kids that's one little example. I run a funny, funny chapter about how hate kids, you know, or, or you know, or nickel and dime your staff to death. That was another one. You know, make sure you always be cheap with your staff as much as possible and don't pay them and don't give them raises or increases, and make sure you cut corners with them as much as possible. That's a very successful uh, concept you can
0: use to destroy your practice. That's another chapter of the book, for example. So so, so there's plenty of ways to destroy your dental practice. And and if you listen to this, my assumption is you don't want to destroy your practice. You want to grow your practice. You want to build that amazing life of significance. And, And to do that, you need some foundations, right? Every good business has some foundations. And so, you know, Mike, you talk a lot about the three foundational policies that are really required to run a successful dental practice. What are those policies?
1: Right, right. And then again, I try, I try to, to you know, people always say, well, you know, you need a business degree to run a successful practice. I want to. There's a misconception out there that you need an MBA. You know, I, I you know, I don't have an MBA. I was going to be a lawyer. I, was, I went to school to. You know, my, my my political science was my undergraduate degree. You know, I thought about law school. I would have been a great litigator. I missed my calling uh, at the time in that way. But I was. That was what I was thinking at the time. You know, so you don't need an MBA. You know, there's so much you can learn about business for being an entrepreneur. You know, out there, and, oh, and I've made the mistakes out know, for you or you just listen to somebody who's been out there and done it all for you, you know, closes that gap, you know, how many years it takes you to get up to speed to learn these things on your own, um, but you don't even, I try, to, I try to simplify this as much as possible, you got to, you got to dumb this down to a sixth grade level, just like you do what you should do with your patients when talking dentistry with them, you know, dentistry are going to, to be so smart and you're talking over people's head and they don't get it, you know, well, I guess the same thing with consultants try to be so damn smart when it comes to this kind of stuff. And if there's tables and graphs and statistics and piles of this and that, and, and, and you lose people, you know? First of all, if it's not relatable, it's not enjoyable, it's not something easy to do, they're not gonna implement and do anything with it, right? So that's what I try to do, you know? So I try to do some basic core concepts and make it really easy fundamentally so doctors can understand and, step, and, we'll, and we'll follow through with these things. And one of the core things you need with business, you know, a practice runs on policies, you know? It, and agreements you make with your patients, your staff, all right, that that's we it runs up. Okay, and these policies really become operational, you know, kind of systems in your in your in that you use in your practice. There's systems attached to these policies to make sure they get implemented. All right, because the thing about policies, don't bother having policies unless you're going to enforce them, you know, and keep them in place. But the three major types of policy you cannot do without in practice. These are foundational things. You know, you, you can assess after this. You know, listening to this right now, do I have these in place? All right, and they are operational policy. Staff policy and patient policy. These are the big three. You know, if I if are going to distill it down to everything, because you know when you look at a practice, doctors tend to like they tend to like get stressed. They all oh, this. There's, there's tens of thousands. There's thousands of things wrong with my practice. I don't know where to start. What am What am I? How am I going to handle all these issues and problems I have? Truthfully, what I found is you can distill down all the problems you have in practice to about be like five or six or core six core things, right? And, and and when you treat the source, guess what happens? All the other things go away. You know. I always people say, oh, I'm running around putting out fires. Stop running around putting out fires and take away the matches, okay? Then more fires popping up all the time, you know? Go to the source of the problem, right? And these, these, these operational policies and, and staff policies and patient policies eliminate, you know, virtually all the problems you have in practice, right? And so operational policy really is a step-by-step way you want things done in your practice. For example, how you were talking about this, how do you answer the phones, okay, in your practice? is an operational policy. It's such a simple thing, you know? And I don't, I don't, you know, secret shop practices. I, I've never done that. I know there's companies, oh, we'll send you a disc in the mail house, how bad you suck and how terrible you are. You know, they've done that to my clients. Of course, they're gonna tell you. So they're gonna tell you you're great. They wanna sell you a program, all right? you know, so I, I've, had, I've had this, you know, I've had that happen before, you know, and they, but the thing is, you need to have uh, some kind of um, um, system and so well, scripting to answer the phone and things I hear when I call offices. It's, a, it's amazing, you know, what I hear. And I was told to call the practice. I'm just calling because the doctor told me to call and I'll hear doctor's office, please hold, you know, so wait a minute. I, I, this, that's what script was that? Okay. It's like I, I called some random doctor and now I'm on hold. Okay. you might as well just burn your money away. That's the entrance point. Those phones are the entrance point in your practice. How people sound and what they say and what they do on that phone is critical you know, when they when call over there. And I don't want to make robots out of people, right? But you have to have some kind of guideline to talk to people. And you know, when they when they, when they call like, what what phone call we get every day today? You know, ring, 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 yes. Do you take insurance? You take my it's not even hello anymore. It's that the first question you get in the office is what insurance do you take? All right. How, how do you handle that when someone who's a shopper is on the phone, okay? So having an operational policy on, on, on how to answer the phones is a big one, okay? As for example, your hygiene system is an operational policy, step one through step whatever. I have a 15-step hygiene system, I think it is, where you lead a, a patient through to get a desired outcome every single time in hygiene. Your, the way you assist is an operational policy. The way you sell, a you know, Lack of an effective sales system, number one lacking system in all dental practices, bar none okay i have not yet met a dentist that at the first time out of the gate that i met them they had a really great sales system in place you know usually it's a doctor talking to the patient chair side they, they put it out and they hand it off to somebody who locks them in a room and whoever emerges victorious in 30 minutes is the winner you know that's not the best way to have a sales system in, in, in a practice but it's not but you need to have a, a sales system for that as well too an operational policy on sales and how we're going to handle money in this practice okay so there's many of those your, your new patient you know experience how we handle new patients that's an operational part. So there's many of those. And those are the ones that I write up in my curriculum. I have it all templated out so people can follow. And they just customize it to practice. You know, that we all come through an agreement, right, of how we're going to implement these operational policies in our practice, step-by-step way of doing things. They're in writing, they're agreed upon by everybody, they're trained on with everybody, and that becomes the way we do business. Right? And, and all the great companies that we go to that you know that are not dental practices, you are drawn to them because they have some, they have good. Operational policies in place, right? As opposed to, you know, I, I use Starbucks as an example all the time. How does Starbucks get away charging eight dollars for a cup of coffee? It's because they have a they have a really great operational policy from all the way straight through to, to the process here, and then that service better be top notch with great people. You know, otherwise, I can just go to Dunkin' Donuts and just stand in line in a in a maze of of, of tapes. You know, in a place that smells like a wet mop. You know, and have someone push three buttons and get whatever comes out of the <laughs> out of the machine, and that's that's what you get there. You know, so it's a different experience. So operational policies are critical. You know, and these are things that patients can see and and and, and you know, every day. So they, they they're something they experience every day, and that that's what separates you from your competition. How solid are my operational policies in my practice? So that's that's number one. Um, staff policy. And, and this, is, this is really critical to understand uh, is really your employee handbook, your job descriptions, your employment agreements. Now, this is the flavor of the times, right? Employment law issues and, and staff issues are, are the, the, the flavor of the times right now, the issues with that, you know, and not being up to speed on these things. It used to be slip and fall. I don't know if you remember Tim back in the day, <clears throat> those late night TV commercials come on, <clears throat> heard on the job, Yep. All such and such, call Smith, Smith, and, and whatever, and come and we'll help you You know, get your employer for getting hurt on the job. Well, you don't hear about that anymore, and the reason being is because the laws have changed, and they kind of closed up those little loopholes to protect the employer. Well, guess what? What they haven't caught up to speed right now is protecting the employer against your staff. <laughs> and I'm not saying staff are all bad and evil and terrible and whatever it may be, and they're, they're, they're not 99% of the time. Okay. It's usually the, the people that get in their ear about stuff. Oh, did he let you whatever? And they give them this appropriate idea that we'll just take your case and do this, because there are a lot of legal things that it's just unwittingly fall into because they're not up to speed on these kind of things, like sexual harassment, unfair labor practices, uh, hostile work environment, um, discrimination. You know, they, they, and, and again, it may and it may be harmless. They may, may not intend to do these kind of things, right? But because you're not understanding how you're supposed to protect yourself and do things by the law. And you how there's federal and state guidelines on how things are supposed to go and do. And you, you, you don't avoid these pitfalls. And then you're asking for trouble later on if you're not up to speed on this whole thing and not protecting yourself. And I always tell people, you shouldn't be practicing in this day and age without EPLI insurance, employment practice and liability insurance. Okay, the must in this day and age. And whereas most of my practice, I see when they first meet them, they're lucky to they have an insurance rider, a throw-in umbrella policy for 30,000, All right, You need to have more coverage, a lot more coverage than that. In this day and age to kind of cover yourself. But these are things you need to know about because, again, this, this is a, a back of the house item we don't think about. It. It's not in our forefront every day, but it only takes one of these issues. Okay? You know, it, it only to cost you six figures easily, not to mention the stress, the lost work time and everything else. So you definitely want to make sure you put some attention on this at some point and have this set up to do that. Right. So that's a more important and they have it all buttoned up tight. Okay. And and by the way, you should not do this through your um, the internet. You should not go online and, and try to get a, a downloaded employee handbook. Okay. But those are templates. You could have more liability from that. Don't get it from your your payroll company. Do not get it from your state board. There there are lawyers that do this. Okay. And, and you and you can do it for a reasonable fee. It doesn't have to be tens of thousands of dollars. And if they are charging you that much, it's a rip-off. You know, I have a firm that I work with, it costs maybe four or five grand soup to nuts, and they do all the stuff for you and they deliver it and then they update to the staff and they update it yearly as laws as, as would well as change. But you have to have this in place. Okay. And those, those but forget the legal reasons for that too. There's a lot of legal reasons why. But the employee handbook and everything in the staff policies, I call them the rules for happy living. Okay. Mm-hmm. It has everything in there that everything comes up all the time. Because the staff well, how does sick time work? What about time off? What about my vacation? What if someone passes away? What if I get pregnant? You know, what about bonus in this practice? But you have to understand that's why you make policies about all kind of stuff. So it's fair and equitable for everybody. It's all in the book, you know, and we all manage everybody by the same way. And that's why you have an employee handbook too, you know. So it's not just about the legal reasons, okay? But that's the third. The second. The third and most violated of all policies, which is the biggie. Which if you implement effective patient policies, you can see your revenue in your practice jump twenty percent. Okay, 20% inc- minimum if you implement this these patient policies. And there's about eight to ten big ones, you know, that, that I that I that I outline out there. Uh, and it's and you train your patients on these. Okay. You know, and, and I want to talk about the word policy for a minute, Tim, if it's okay, if I have the time, you know, so people understand. Because this, this, this idea of policy is this nebulous thing. The word policy, I'm very interested in the origin of words, right? Comes from the Greek word which meant citizenship, okay? This is, this is one for you to use in the future. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. So if you think about it for a second, how do we get the word policy from the word that used to mean citizenship? You know, if you think about it, from what makes you a good citizen in society? You do what? You follow the policies, okay? So I say, if you want to have better citizens in your practice, meaning your patients, have better policies. Okay. And you give them rules and guidance. Because patients, they love to come in and make up their own policies, right? Well, the last doctor I was at, it was great. I, I never paid there. They sent me bills.
0: I left there owing a lot of money. It was great for me. You know, yeah, I, almost I, like that. I, I can cancel my appointment anytime I want. I don't have right. to show up. I can be late. It's, it's,
1: I got the greatest dentist in the world. Well, it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then and what happens is it, it becomes a practice of the people. And this is what happens over time. It's not your practice anymore, right? It's a practice of the masses. It's a communist practice. You're trying to run a communist practice in America and make money. You know, you don't make a lot of money in communism. Okay? You just don't. I, I always tell people you have to instill a new government in your practice. It's called a benevolent monarchy. Okay. Okay. You're the king of your practice or the queen of your practice. I rule all my law subjects with all humility and kindness. Okay. But the buck stops with me. It's not even a democracy. You don't even get a chance to vote. Okay. I make the rules and this is what it's going to be. you lay it down and you stick to that. Okay? that's how it has to be in your practice. And you put that in place like that and that's how you run the practice. I always say, manage by agreement, not by emotion, okay? It takes all the emotion out of, you know, oh, go make her pay, she's, she, she's a bad patient. Now let us give her a break, she's good. You can't do that. <laughs> First of all, it's very stressful on the staff to do that kind of stuff, to play favorites or you know, go after people you don't like or whatever. And that's it's only, not like that, it's only fair. Okay? You get yourself into trouble that way. So just manage it by, you know, a, a, a agreement. So you have patient policies now we're all aware and then we teach the patients it's, it's kind of a re-education and deprogramming of your patients it takes about a good when i first institute this it takes about a good year to go through the entire practice to re-educate all the patients that are there you know because these are the patients that have been there for years that have us trained just the way they like it notice how i worded that they, these patients have us trained just the way they like it, and god forbid you trying to like, wait 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 change something okay right talk about famous quotes you know the Woodrow wilson once said if you want to make enemies try to change something you know, and I, and I said, and I said, they should have probably rewarded that quote to say, if you want to make enemies try to change something the wrong way. Okay. There is a way to change. Okay. There is a way to change. And I teach this in my program because people don't know how to change. Okay. There are very specific methodologies to go to change. You just can't go, okay, that's it. Where we're, I'm getting rid of insurance. Okay. Tomorrow I've had it with insurance. Insurance sucks. And I agree. Okay. But if you do that, okay, you're going to crash your practice. Okay? If you tell people tomorrow, I'm, I'm banning you no-shows, know, uh, no you're fine. You're, you're going to have mass hysteria. If this, is the, if this is the case, you have to do it a certain gradient way, step-by-step you know, step to get them to a certain point. There is a way to do all this kind of stuff. That's the how-to, right? That's where coaching comes in. There's always a what to do and there's a how to do it, right? And how to implement it for you. because every practice is different, right? You know, where, you know, it's everybody, it's my, how, how is this? Mike? Mike's talking, all this great stuff sounds great, but how's it gonna work in my particular practice, with this particular staff, in this particular town, in this particular economy, in this particular, you see, it, there's a lot of variables that like you can make it go wrong, and that's where the coaching comes in to make it work, All right, But patient policies, you put in, and it's about, and I do it in the form of a letter, it's call my to my valued patient letter, which I think I should have copyrighted because I've seen this letter in various forms all over the internet. And I, I, was, I, I walked into a medical office, I'm not kidding, this is a true story. I walked into a medical office one day in the vicinity of a dental and they actually had a version of my patient letter on the front desk, you know, on a clipboard for people to sign. I was like, what the hell? I was like, it got into medical? Yeah. I was like, couldn't believe it. I was like, this, it must be good. The invitation is a serious more of you know? And it was right, it was some watered down version of what my thing was, but it goes over the policies and trains them and this said, so you know, with a nice intro and we have them sign it, we make, we make hard agreements with them and it goes over the things you talked about. You know, cancel, what do you do with cancel these? How does cancellations and no-shows work in this practice? What happens if you're late? How does payment work in this practice? You know, um, how do referrals work? What if there's an upset? You know, it goes over all these things and we manage them by that, we get them to agree. You can get patients to do anything as long as they agree, okay? If you say, well, if the person doesn't show well, I don't know, I just wanna let you know that last time you, you didn't show up and there's a charge for a hundred dollars, they, by the way, you're going to lose them and piss them off. Okay, because the opposite of agree, right, is disagree. Okay, so if you don't make good agreements with people, you're going to have upsets, right? And that's where it starts with having good patient agreements. They agree and you have them agree to these policies, and it's a wonderful thing when you have them in place because you get you now you're managing and by that rather than emotion every time, and they agree and they go and they go along with and they're fine. And I'm telling you, the only people will give you pushback when you make this change. Are the 10 percenters that are going to cause 100% of your problems? Okay, that those are the ones, the ones that are when you go over the, the zero balance office policy, I like to call it. Which we, we don't have people always any money. The only people that are going to give you pushback on that are the ones that are not paying you now, okay, or have a large balance and they don't want to pay and they're and whatever. And that's your chance to draw the line and straighten it out, okay? So, and if this stuff didn't work, you know, I wouldn't be teaching it, I wouldn't be in business for all the years that I'm in right now. It works, it's all how it's implemented, yeah. Well, right,
0: And as you were talking, right, I had a big mind shift. And I hope you <laughs> listening have this too, right? Because we all know the importance of policies and rules and procedures. But, but Mike, I loved how you talked about, right, citizenship, right? We're members of a community of, of the practice that we're privileged to be a part of, right? Whether as a patient, whether as a staff, or even the dentist, right? We're all privileged to be part of this community. And I love, once again, how you talked about making agreements. Right. These are these are communal rules that we're going to agree on how to behave. Right. It, 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 and by doing those simple things, by setting standards of of how this is going to work, communicating those clearly, we're going to all be better citizens of the practice. And that, to me, was just such a mind blowing shift in such a different way. To think about policies and, and procedures so so you talking about citizenship what a gift and what a new way to think about your practice that's so powerful wow Just blown yeah, away.
1: I'm, I'm glad you love that look like it look it's, it's it's really the origins of words it's really interesting when you look up things you know i, I teach different things and I, I want to teach about sales for example you know a lot of times oh what a dirty word you know sale you know it's such, it's such a horrible dirty dirty word and it's such negativity attached to the connotations of words right about things it comes up and if you look up the like one of my favorite definitions in in ancient china okay the origin of the word sale the characters used to mean to assist aid and support someone getting someone they really need to get okay nothing wrong with that that's what's a whole new perspective on what say that's what sales really was i'm here to assist and aid and support you getting like dentistry that you really need to get you know there's nothing wrong with that yeah as opposed to used car salesman you know, you know, rip off high pressure, this, you know, doing it for their own advantage and nothing for your benefit, that kind of thing. So you have to you have to sometimes change your thinking and policy sometimes is this word where people have a little misconceptions about policy, you know, and restrictions and whatever, but that's how good, that's how society runs. Otherwise we'd have anarchy, you know, if we'd have, so think about your practice. If it's, if it's chaotic, if you're telling me my practice is chaotic and it's, it's, it's anarchy in here and I'm stressed and my staff, I'm out of that, it's out of control, the operative where I'm gonna give you another gift. I hope this is okay, because I know you and I and I just met you recently and I love you already. You're a great guy. I know what you do. Control equals income. Okay. That, that it's a very advanced economics formula, but let me try. Control equals income. Okay. So if you ever, you know, so if you if you see someone who doesn't control their spending, okay, for example, you know, and control gets a bad rap. Oh, you're not gonna control me, I'm a rebel. You know, it's like it's like duress, force. No, control has nothing to do with duress or force. Control has to do with putting positive direction on something. That's what it really is, okay? So if you don't have a positive direction going on in your practice, okay? You're gonna see money just hemorrhage and bleed out of the practice. So the more control you have by putting in systems and putting in policies and putting in training, right? The more money we make, okay? You ever have one of those days in practice, that, you know, your wife knows this, right? When everything feels like it's gone to hell and you know, it's, it's nuts, ask for how much money you made that day. Nothing, very little. And you have a day when everything just goes like this, it snaps, it flows, it clicks. Look how much money we made on that day, okay? because things were in control, right? So this is what these policies do. you know. And, and again, I, I'm trying to drive this home because I want to see, well, take the time to do this, because doctors will spend thousands of hours and thousands and thousands of dollars on, the, on training for clinical and for the toys they buy for their practice. They love the toys. You know the dental meeting, and they'll go to these dental shows, right? You know and they'll buy these pieces and tens, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars, to, because they, they feel they need them for their practice. Well, guess what? Okay, this stuff, you know, is is just as important, and more important, because none of that stuff's going to work without good, without, without good training in place yeah. and good coach.
0: It's so true, right? Control equals will, income, almost like a, you know, Jocko Wilnick, the Navy SEAL. He says discipline equals freedom right and, and so often these things that we think are you know not connected actually are and, and such powerful powerful little nuggets that you're sharing with everyone the, the, yeah, this-
1: I, love, I love that i love that one because yeah, that's, that's a great thing is as a person who's been, been doing training for years i've been i've been a, a competitive natural bodybuilder for a while back in the day i'd be in the old fart category now if i ever did it again but, but i just did it for my own challenge challenge myself back in the in the 90s you know and people were like always even critical about discipline you know, like, you know, they give, you, give you such a hard time, like, oh, it's so restrictive. It's like, no, it's freeing, you know, when you do that, you know, to be able to have that kind of discipline in your life, you know, because yep. you know, I'm well and I'm healthy and I'm, and I'm vibrant and I have energy and that kind of thing. That, that's, that gives me freedom yeah. you, to be that way. So there, there's nothing wrong with discipline in yep. your life at all.
0: Right. So. And that's, that's really one of the areas that a, a coach can significantly help with is the development of that discipline. Now, I want to back up to my earlier days in, in my career and you know, I would always run across business coaches or people willing to help me. And 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 all I could think, Mike, was, I got this, I can do this on my own. I'm not a screwed up mess. I don't need a coach. But then my mind started to shift and I realized, you know what, coaches actually have a valuable, valuable role today to play. And I've been engaging coaches. I have several that I work with on different aspects of my my business. But you know, a lot of times we think, you know, I've got to be a mess before I can hire a coach. Or I don't need a coach this is a sign of weakness. And so what would you say to that kind of mentality and that kind of thinking?
1: Yeah, well, I, one of the things I always say when, when people see me speak and I joke around, like I said, look, I didn't come out of the box this way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If this is a work, this has been a work in progress. I look back at myself back in the day and I go, oh my God, this is how I used to be, you know, back in the day, you know? But one of the things having, the thing about coaches, it gives you an awareness of your blind spots because you never see yourself as other people see you, right? I mean, one of those things is a true gift be able to see yourself as other people see you, you know? I mean, look, I talk fast, right? I always tell people I'm a, I talk fast, okay? But I'm not a fast talker. There's a difference. I, I,
0: I'm going to actually slow our recording down to half speed for everyone. <laughs>
1: I always tell people, play it back on slow play, later you'll get every word, you know, which is great. But but, that, but that's, just, that's, that's just my upbringing, you know? I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a very loud Italian, Sicilian family. And if you didn't talk fast and loud, you didn't get heard. You know, that was how it was. You know, so at one point in my life, I was unintelligible. You know, when I would speak in front of groups of people, I'll never forget the first speaking event that I did, you know, because I'm a public speaker now and speak a lot. And over the years, I, you know, and I, one of the things I learned, I, I'll never forget the first, it was a small group. It was a healthcare class, about 10 people there. A lady walks up to me when I'm done speaking. She goes, you know, I did not understand a word you said, but you were enthusiastic about it. So I'm pretty, I, I'm, I was very, I enjoyed it. <laughs> that's what she said. And that was a wake up goal because like, you know what? I didn't realize that, you know, that's not very good if people can't understand what you're saying you know, at this point, you know, so it's one of those battles about trying to slow things down at a different pace and, you know, especially when I'm speaking to people out, outside the state of this area, you know, and, and and being aware of that kind of stuff. But but again, we all have blind spots, you know, we never see it and it's always good to have coaches to bring you the power of that to, to, to tap into your true potential and what you can learn from other people's experiences. You know, just like I told you before we came on, just speaking to you and you put me on some ideas and some things were very helpful. And whatever you know i'm, I'm not too I'm, I'm, I'm the first to say i'm never too smoke you know, that smart to let people not come into my life and help me out and give me advice and insights it's helpful yeah you know, at that point that's kind of how i've grown to this point and people go you know well oh, mike how do you know all this stuff how did you get you on know, coaching you know how how, I, how did i get here how did how did i get in the shape that I to keep myself in and and my mental health and all my and all my things i teach people coaching You know, having good teachers and good mentors and this is in my toolbox now that I use for my life and now I'm now I'm sharing with other people, you know, to get where I am today. And it's extraordinarily valuable. I mean, in terms of there's not a better thing you can do in life for your business than improve yourself.
0: Yep. right. Well, right. And that's really what coaching is, right? It's educational in nature. And, you know, that's why successful dentists, successful entrepreneurs are hiring coaches is they want to improve their existing knowledge, their skills, their expertise, and and they want someone to spot their weaknesses, right? Professional athletes, right? I don't know of a single uh, Olympian or, or great athlete who doesn't have a coach, but when it comes to business, it's entirely different. So many of us fail to engage coaches. And, right. and maybe that's because, right, one of the things that I would argue is a requirement for success in coaching is you've got to be coachable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, it comes down to willingness, right? If anything, all you all you have with people and when you're dealing with people is their willingness. Right. And once you've lost that, you've lost everything. It doesn't matter. Okay. You can't you can't help an unwilling person. I mean you just, just you don't you know no, no amount of intervention and help. And you know, I always tell my mother, the, the big $64,000 question I get when I go to a practice, Mike, will this work in my practice? You know, will this work? And I say, doc, let me ask you a question. Are you willing and can you change? Okay. And that's where it starts, you know, because, you know, and the staff wants it. They're all willing. But if I, but if I have a willing staff and an unwilling doctor, it's going nowhere. Okay. If I got a willing staff, I'm a willing doctor and a completely unwilling staff, I can make magic happen because it doesn't matter. They're changeable. Doctors are there, they're not going anywhere, can't fire the doctor, you know, that's their practice, right? But staff, you can always change. So if you you feel like my staff is terrible, don't worry about that. You know, first of all, they're not as bad as you think. Second of all, they can be changed, if that that was the case. So they're really that bad, that you're saying. Uh, But it starts at the top. It starts with your willingness to do that, because if you don't have that and you're not coachable, forget it. And and the reason why people don't like coaching, you know, here's the fear, okay? That someone's gonna come into my life and make me wrong, okay? And, and, and it's human nature to want to be right, right? That's the thing. And make the other person wrong. We don't want to be, because in life, all of survival, if you think about it, depends on us being right, right? How wrong can you end up in life? Dead, right? <laughs> if you're really, really wrong, really big, bad, you can end up dead, right? So it's, it's a basic survival mentality that we have to be right, right? And the fear is if I bring a coach into my life, all he's going to do is tell me how stupid I am, how dumb I am, how inferior I am, how wrong I am. And that's bad coaching. Okay, I never make anybody wrong. I don't expect, look, it'd be like you telling me as a dentist, like, you know what, Mike, you're an idiot because you can't do a one-service composite. You're right, and there's a reason why I can't do a one-service composite, I need to spend one minute in, in clinic learning how would you do? I would kill somebody if that was a case. So I can be an idiot all day long about that because I know nothing about it, okay? So that's fine with me, and I, if I wanted to learn it, I'd learn it, you know? Well, it comes to the same thing with this, you know? You don't go to school, they don't teach this in dental school, not one minute of it, you know, at all. And it was worse, now it's worse than ever because uh, it's because it's more competitive and it's more challenging than ever. Of course, you don't, I don't expect you to know what I know. I know Mike. like, you make the sound so easy. Yeah, I, I, I've done it 50,000 times. That's why it's so easy for me. If I said, if he said he was a one service composite, easy for you to do doc, he'd say, sure. I said, can you do a one hand tied behind your back you know, and, and one eye covered? Yeah, I could probably pull it. Up. If I said I was gonna give you a million dollars could you do it blindfolded, you probably could pull it off you know? because that's how many times you've done it. It's almost like automatic for you. Well, it's kind of the same thing for me, because that's, that's the area that I focus on every day, you know, and, and I've, I've honed over the years, you know, at that point, but that's, again, a coaching.
0: Yeah, now, now in your, your practice and in your coaching, you, you see practices kind of a, across the spectrum, and I know we were talking, you know, before we started recording about a practice that had just absolutely tanked during the pandemic, and, and they kind of came in for some emergency help, and, and what were you able to do with that, doctor, and help them out through this process and, yeah, I mean, and look, through this pandemic?
1: Right, there, 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 there's, two, there's two basic, need to back up, there's two basic problems you can have in practice, okay, more bonus material for you, Tim, as you know, it all comes to me as I'm speaking here the time, and I pull it out of my toolbox, there's two basic problems you can have in practice, only two, right, under-expansion and over-expansion, that's it, okay, so if the practice is under-expansion, that's obvious, right, I'm not seeing enough new patients. I'm not making enough money. You know, I'm not growing, right? The practice is stagnant because even if it's flat, I'm not growing or split. No, you're losing. If your practice is staying flat, you're You're losing money. So it's going down. thought that's, that's a very dangerous place to be. And a practice is pretty much staying where it is. It's not really staying where it is. You know, you, things in life are either getting better or getting worse, all right? So it's getting worse, all right? So, or the other problem you can have in practice is overexpansion, which people don't look at as, an, as a problem right? Well, I'm doing so great. I'm making tons of money. I got tons of new patients. I got whatever. Yeah. That's a, that's a great problem to have. Okay. But if you don't manage growth, right? What's going to happen is you're going to see, it's going to go up, 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 up. And all of a sudden one day it just goes down. Okay. And because what happens, it gets to a capacity that you just can't handle. You're not managing those people, that volume, all those things, right? So so that's the time to look and say, look, I'm doing really great. People don't, don't think this way. I'm doing really great. I better strengthen what I'm doing to make sure it stays that way right they think it's going to be that way forever you know, and they don't do anything about it it's going to run a little power. you don't don't do that but the people that usually come to me they really come to me because i have an under expansion problem i'm not growing i'm not making enough money i'm not happy with my new patients or whatever uh you know so that's what it, what it, what it is so the, what this practice you're talking about you know it, it, unfortunately signed up a few months before the pandemic hit right? and when i met this doctor he was in the brink you know, he was a solo practitioner, and think about it: the average dental practice solo practitioner in America probably makes about, I would say, six hundred or so a year, and the average specialist is about seven fifty or so, roughly. Those are old statistics; don't quote me exactly. Look them up, but that's kind of just for a solo practitioner, solo specialist. Okay, but that's a good chunk of change. When you're taking home when your are is doing one seventy-five, two hundred thousand in revenue, that's dead in the water. Okay, and he had been in the four hundreds, but what happened was he had moved the practice to a different town because so they had moved their home. And he was starting fresh and remodeled, beautiful facility, did all these kind of things. And the problem is no business acumen. No, he was going on like a history where he was before. So it was kind of an autopilot making that 400 or something thousand a year. Now he's in a new town, new people, new nothing. And now the practice is, is, is falling away, okay? And it was on the brink of going under Whatever, So we got started and lo and behold, this whole thing hits, right? And we coached him through the whole thing. I was doing double duty. I was sending coaches in there extra time. Because he needed new staff. That was one of the things he, he, he was not the, he was a great clinician, but not the kind of personality who was going to be, you know, over the top, you know, driver, to do it. He wanted people to surround himself with other people to do that work. So he just focused on dentistry. So great. Finally did all that, worked him through COVID. And the guy's now, we, we did his numbers recently. He's on track to doing the 400s again, okay, in one year under these circumstances. And that's a disaster case scenario. I mean, I, I'm convinced because you know, many of these practices that were on the brink before COVID hit, they went under. Because they were their margins were so tight and so close that when this thing hit, there was no margin for error anymore, and that was it. You know, I had practices there, they were getting new patients through this whole calamity that was going on every month, pulling them up because they, they went to their office, they couldn't get a hold of the dentist, or so they drove one prac one guy said he had a patient come into his office and he went to the he said he came in because he went to his dentist's office because he wasn't returning his phone calls, and there was a paper sign on the door that said that we're closed, we're good. Okay. So it's here one day, gone the next. No, no communication to your patients, nothing. All right. So that, that, that's what that could have been. he is, and it's a whole different world for him right now in his practice. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have a guy that I was working with for, for a good year before, almost a good year before that time, implant guy making huge numbers, solo practitioner. I mean, a powerhouse, 150 to 200,000 a month in, 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 in collections doing it, powerhouse. Okay, and close anything, you know, or whatever, doing great, but it was still for some reason guys struggling, I can't pay the bills, I don't know why I should have more money, you know, and whatever, and you go in there and we do an analysis, you know, great, you not why you're not mad, find out that there's a whole big theft thing going on in the practice, you know, amongst certain staff members. So we uncover this whole embezzlement kind of thing or help them get to the bottom of that kind of stuff, get them back on track you know, with everything and put these, put everything in with here now to manage his growth and whatever, now he's back up to those numbers. And now, now, now the revenues there, like the profitability is there, like he's supposed to be, you know, and, and all he needs right now, and we're trying to, is, is a manager, you know, cause we had to change that manager out and helping him do that kind of stuff. But having a trusted advisor now, the support through this whole kind of thing was a boon for these. And we had everything all in between. You know, of doctors, you know, people think you have to be, you know, uh, where in my average practice is worse for me at making between four and 700,000 a year, solo practitioner, one doctor, one hygienist, one front desk, wants to go to a million. That's their, that's their magic number in a million dollar practice, right? Doing that. They're all in that same range. I would say 80% of my practices are like that. But I have someone on the lower end and I have someone on the super high end. They have multiple locations. They're making millions. But their, their problem is profitable margins now and, and managing their team and their growth and all that kind of stuff like that, too. So that's kind of the range. I work with some specialists as well, too. Um, but from primarily, that's the range that we work in. So, yeah, they're, they're all under the spectrum in terms of they all have their own issues.
0: Yeah. Now, the other thing that, that I love that you've done in terms of working with your clients is you've created a model of excellence award. Can you share a little bit about what that is and, and, and what the thought process was behind creating that and, and who you award that to?
1: Yeah, well, four times a year, I like to do something to really call out um, um, doctors that are going above and beyond. You know, they're, they're really embracing um, the coaching and really exemplifying the standards uh, and and the training um, to the highest degree. And, you know, it's a nice acknowledgement. And it, it gives something, we do it in a public forum with other, with other, their peers there too. So it just inspires and motivates people to say, I want to be like that. You know, I want to shoot for the top acknowledgement the top, you know, it's a nice plaque. It's a gift card, you know, for the team, which is nice, they can buy lunch and celebrate and whatever. And it's a public acknowledgement about things. But, in, and I, there are many of them hanging on walls of dental practices all over, you know, or by the practice that I've worked with um, over the years. But it's a nice acknowledgement among them to, to say that, you know, something we need to shoot for. People like acknowledgement. You know, doctors like to know they're doing it well, you know, and as I said before, uh, it's not always great, you know, we, it's very easy to be critical all the time. We want to be, we want to be positive and really show, you know, set an example by doing this model of excellence award for people uh, that are out there that are in the program doing it. I mean, look, they're all successful, you know, but they're the ones that are striving for the highest degree of excellence. I, like to, I really like to acknowledge those people and to, and, give, and set the bar high for other people to shoot for. Why not? Right.
0: Yeah. Right. Just like running the four minute mile. No one thought they could run the four minute mile. <laughs> So right. they did. And then exactly. everyone ran a four minute mile. So, so same right. type thing, right? Helping people believe what's possible is, is so important. And, and I would argue that's the sign of a great coach right there is helping your people know what they can achieve.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and, and again, in an industry traditionally where I'm, I'm not, I, and I, I live in reality, I'm a reality guy. I know what's out there. You know, people are listening to this. There are a lot of bad, uh, like you know this. You, you do find you find advising. There are a lot of bad people in the field that you do what you do a lot. You know, and it's the same thing goes with what I do. It was, it's a shame because I, when I, I get upset. You know, when I hear that the people that have, you know, poured all this bad good money into after bad into consultant the consultant all out there, and it, it's just terrible. It's it's, it's they shouldn't be that way. You know, and it really goes back to the people that are behind the information is the information, but it's also the integrity that people are behind the whole thing. I'm proud of myself out of that for doing this in a very difficult market for as long as I have. I, 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 my reviews are stellar. It's almost embarrassing. Like people think I wrote those The people, that write No, I didn't write those. Those people wrote, wrote those unsolicited. You know, if you watch my testimonial video and, you know, there's dozens and dozens of people talking on it. I'm very proud of that because I guess that goes back to the dedication because, you you know, you make that's transformation. You're changing people's lives. People ask me, you know, Mike, you're just, you're a dental consultant, right? I said, no, I'm not a dental consultant. I'm in a life-changing business. That's what I do every day. You know, I wake up with my, 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 purpose is to change people's lives. Dentistry is just a vehicle for me to do that. You know, I found me and I could do this anywhere. I did another, I did another industry before, you know, I, I, I love to say, I would love to tell you honestly, that I had this huge clinical passion for dentistry. I don't, you know, the clinical, it's, it's the people that I have the passion for, you know, that are behind the whole thing. My coaches love clinical dentistry. They all have a clinical background all of them, but for me, it's really the transformational stuff that you do, and you know, and you know, if I don't know, I know how much time I have left. I would tell you a great story that, made, that makes it all worthwhile to me, but I don't know how much time we have left. But if you want to cut it off, it's no problem. Yeah, no, let, it's let, let,
0: let, let's jump through that. And then I want to talk about some of the innovations you're doing. And then we can go ahead and sign off. But yeah, no, I'd love to hear a, a transformation story, please. Share I, know, that. You
1: know, I mean, because you don't, you never know when you're doing coaching the impact it has on people, right? The ripple effect, you know, about everything. And you just don't know. You think you're up there and you're not, you know, you because you hear, you look, as a coach, right? just like you, you make, you know, you, you, you probably make people some millions of dollars, but there's always the one, all you hear is the critical ones. Oh, uh, Tim, you root, this is not working. You know, you'll hear that all day long, but they're never gonna tell you, thank you so much. I appreciate all the millions you've made and everything else like that, you know? People tend kind to of focus on the negative, not the positive. Yeah. So you often wonder, you know, how much the difference is impact it's making, you know? And I, years ago, I'll never forget, uh, I have done this. It had, a, it was a rough year, challenging year, transitional year for me. It was coming out of the crash, 2007, 2008, it was around that time. And my program was shifting from a, a seminar based model to an on site model, which is now going virtual in many ways, which we'll talk about. And I used to teach seminars in a group format. So I would teach a class, and people would come in uh, monthly or by week, or twice a month. And we put all the offices in one room. And there'd be like 150, 200 people in a room, doctors and staff, and teach my curriculum with my coaches. And they would go off and come back and share wins from week to week. And then we'd have an end of the year graduation ceremony where the, the, the doctors we graduate and then we get awards and plaques and and things like that. And and, and I'll never forget at the end of the there, the last seminar we teach, people come up to you and say thanks and whatever and they move on. But I was as I was doing this one seminar, off to my right, I noticed a woman standing there by herself, waiting. You know, and she was being very quiet and saying to herself. And uh, she didn't come up to me, and I, she waited as everybody left. And she said, "Mike, I wanted to come, I wanted to come up and tell you, I wanted to thank you." And like I say, why? Um, you probably don't. Know me, but I'm such and such, and I work in Doctor Such and Such's office. I guess you, i don't know if she was a hygienist or an assistant. And I had to admit, I really didn't know because I didn't really get to personally know, you know, all the people one on one because I wasn't in the offices. My coaches, were, you know. And she says, you know, I, I wanted to thank you. I—I I, I sat through these seminars, and because of you and because of what the concepts you taught in this program, I had the courage to get out of an abusive relationship with my daughter. You know, my daughter and I were getting beaten and abused in this relationship, but because of what you taught and the concepts the motivation, inspiration you taught in the seminar, I had the courage to get out of it and we're safe and we're on our own now. Wow. You know? And if that doesn't, and to this day, it brings tears to my eyes talking about that. Like, you know, at that moment, all that stuff goes out the window. You know, all the crap that you deal with and everything, it's not about the money. You know, you never know who you're going to impact, who you're who's listening to you talk, you know? And if what I did inspired people and it changed their life, that was all, I just saved two lives. You know, I mean, it's right, right? That saved possibly two lives right there at that point and who knows how many more times that that happens you know you find out you're you just don't you just don't know right So it was really one of those phenomenal stories i'll never forget you know about that but it just keeps me motivated to keep doing what i'm doing because i know it makes a huge impact on people's lives
0: yeah well sure. right it, 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 and, and it's so interesting among driven entrepreneurs driven dentalpreneurs people like like you mike we, we we've, we've done the research and we always find that successful people want more success. And then we dive into that and we say, well, what's behind that? Is it is it greed? Is it selfishness, right? Well, why do you want more wealth? You've already got a lot. Well, the three primary things that come up is they wanna take even better care of the people they love. Number two, support the causes they care about. Number three, is what you just hit on and it's about expanding impact because they know they have gifts and abilities that can change lives and so we see that across the board and and you're actually working on expanding your impact right now and you're doing some some clever things in terms of additional ways to access coaching and, and access help can, can you share what you've got going on there
1: yeah, I mean, ironically, I mean, I guess I talk about opportunities, you know, never, you know, like you said, never let a good crisis go to waste, you know, kind of thing uh, before, but like what I wasn't intending to capitalize in this crisis, but before this crisis even hit, i have been working in development for a long time uh, on my new Coaching on Demand platform. It's called Dental Coaching on Demand, uh, and it can be found at Dental Coaching on Demand, all spelled out one word, dentalcoachingondemand.com, um, where basically I wanted to be able to expand my reach with coaching on a, on a worldwide level. You know, uh, because when and, and then this whole thing hit now where everything's zoom and virtual or you know, you're doing things on virtual calls and whatever, and you know, being able not to go into office as much as possible before, you know, but I, this has been in development for a while and this kind of expedited the use of this whole this whole project was to get this out there where people can get coaching with a trusted advisor online. You know, right now the big the big thing is right now, I think Michael Phelps is the big spokesperson for BetterHelp and Talkspace, these are the online therapy communities right now. They're very, very big, it's like your virtual couch. Right? You get therapy online like this when you, you like you and I are doing right now. You have the opportunity to do video talk with your your your, your therapist, you know, uh, or or do chat, live chat, or calls or whatever. Maybe for a membership each month, at your hands to have your person who's going to counsel you, and support you right there. I thought to myself, wait a minute, people are going to this is life and death. you dial know, therapy could be, you know, that if they can do that. Why can't you do demo coaching? Because that's not always life and <laughs> not as much life and death, you know, there as well. So I really have been into development and in creating this platform where people can do coaching now for a reasonable fee. each need membership fee each month where they have access to their own coach who knows them and they can get all the stuff that I do virtually, you know, or, whether it's working with me, whether it's my coaches uh, through this platform, which is really cool. You know, and ironically, we, we launched a site, one of our first new clients uh, from it was from Norway, you know, so all of a sudden I'm coaching, we're coaching a doctor in Norway, you know, because he speaks English. So you know, and it's just and it's just amazing how much these people eat this up because they had no coaching before. They didn't know any little bit of information. They're so ecstatic to have any kind of support. You know, a go-to person. Would it be great if you're an office manager? You can just go online and like, okay, I'm going to get an answer to this problem that's right facing me today. Let me talk to the coach real quick, or chat with my coach real quick, or get set up a call with my coach. That's kind of where that's where it's going in the future because the younger generation, you know, wants everything online at their fingertips. You know, they don't want to wait till you come on on, on site and go in there and and do that kind of stuff. And Different world right now that's not, maybe not as feasible, still not as feasible, right? Even right now that what we're doing right now. So that that opened up a whole new world that we're launching. We're really, really excited. We we started some professional partnerships with that and we're ready to get to go full force with that. So I'm looking forward to really having that be the next wave of innovation of coaching.
0: Wow. How powerful, right? Having a coach in your pocket when you need it to get help on those issues. Wow. So Mike, how can we get a hold of you? How can we find you? How can we connect with you?
1: Well, I mean, the best way to get a hold of me is um, you can put it up on, I'm sure you'll put it up somewhere here on the screen at some point, yep. if people are watching this video wise, but uh, uh, my, my reach me, if you go to staffdriven.com, uh, staffdriven.com has a link to everything to me, it has my number uh, to reach me directly. It has my dental Road warrior series. If you want to watch some of my, my insights and my philosophy, but um, you know, I encourage people to go online, read my, read my reviews. I'm very happy about those. And uh, this day and age is all about reviews. So important. Um, I thought there go to my website watch my testimonial video those are not actors and actresses those are real people uh, that I've worked with to change their lives but you can go to staffdriven.com or you can go to dental coaching on demand or MyDCOD.com, um and uh, and just check out dental coaching on demand and there's a great inter- introductory video right there poke around there um, but you can always reach me directly if you want to get some ideas in terms of what what membership level might work best for you for your particular practice and if you just basically mention Tim's name if you're listening to this and you mention Tim Okay. I'll give you a, a, an hour of my time. I'll give you 30 minutes to an hour of therapy with me, you know, one-on-one. I'll, I'll be more than happy to extend that with you guys and do that for anybody listening to this right now.
0: Oh, well, what an incredible gift. Thank you for, for offering that, Mike. Wow. Well, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm blown away by, <laughs> by the, the shifts I had in my mindset. And, and I often argue that that's the greatest gift you can give someone is shifting their thinking. It's not a tactic. It's not a strategy it's a new way of seeing the world. And, and wow, right? I, I, I feel empowered to ask for help in my dental practice. I, I love you talking about the three foundational policies and those agreements that you make with your patients and your staff so that you can have a better community, right? A, a, a better citizenship in your practice. And I know I certainly feel inspired and motivated for the future. So thank you for, for being an incredible guest and sharing so generously with us.
1: You're very, very welcome. And now when you go back and tell your wife all these things now, now she's going to make more money and be very happy as well. You know, you share all these ideas because you you have a living dentist, right? So you, you
0: try it all out with her now, right? right exactly. I, I got a lot of work to go implement now. I'm going to get her on the phone with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, hey, listen
1: to this. I've listened to the podcast. You probably just listening listen to you, right? So now you're going to make her listen to the podcast. So going, hey, you really got to listen to this one. <laughs> I,
0: we may need some marriage therapy after that. But anyways, <laughs> hey, hey, I do hey, that too once now in- these days. Thank Mm -hmm. you once again for being an amazing guest, Mike. And and wow, thank you for sharing so generously. And uh, if you're listening to this, go take action, right? It's not enough just to listen. We want you to take action. We want you to build that amazing life of significance so you can take care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, really make that impact in the world. Now get out there and make it a great day.